The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greetings from the Pet Buzz Studios in the Gulf Coast, the West Coast of Florida. We're happy to be with you because you are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. So now let's talk cats and cat owners with our next guest. You know, cat owners are a key interest group who are central to any effort to minimize cat predation on vulnerable wildlife, but their views are often overlooked. Our next guest is sharing her research that aims to work with cat owners to identify effective, practical means of reducing cat predation on wildlife without compromising and potentially enhancing cat welfare. So joining us today is Dr. Sarah Crowley, who is working as a postdoctoral researcher within the College of Life and Environmental Science at University of Exeter in the United Kingdom. She specializes in understanding the social dimensions of managing introduced and invasive species. Her research interests include environmental conflict, human-animal interactions, and introduced and invasive species management and policy. So, Dr. Crowley, Charlotte and I are pleased to welcome you to the Pet Buzz today. Thank you very much for having me. So, Dr. Crowley, what prompted this study of yours? Well, this study was part of a larger project that we're doing at the University of Exeter called Cats, Cat Owners and Wildlife, which aims to work with cat owners to identify sustainable and cat-friendly approaches to reducing wildlife predation by domestic cats. The conservation organizations all over the world are concerned about the impact of outdoor cats on wildlife. And at the same time, we know there's debate among cat owners and experts about the safety and welfare risks of allowing cats to roam, but also keeping them indoors. Cat owners really central to both these issues. So if we're going to reduce the amount of wildlife killed by cats, um, cat owners are going to play a huge part in that. So then please discuss your subject, you know, the cat, cat owners, as well as your study protocol. Thank you. Um, so a lot of research has focused on cats rather than cat owners. And we wanted to find out what their, what their views on roaming and hunting behavior were. So we carried out a sorting exercise with cat owners in the UK, and they sort cards with statements on them such as, I worry about the effects of cats on garden bird populations, or cats should have the right to roam where they please. And they arrange those cards in a grid that looks a bit like a solitaire layout. And we analyze those arrangements to identify groups of people with shared views. I'm laughing because I hear a dog in the background. <laughs> I know. I'm so I, no, no, it's actually, no, you know, <laughs> it just goes, no, no, it, it's funny because it just goes to show you, you know, we know the British love their cats, but they love their dogs just as much, so it's not uncommon, just like Americans across the pond, that you have both, right? Well, yeah. I mean, actually, ironically, I don't have a cat at the moment because uh, <laughs> my my dog tends to chase them. So um, that's probably what he's barking at right now. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, I have kept cats for twenty years, so um, I'm I'm familiar with the issues that cats owners face. Of course you are. Of course you are. Okay, so. Um, you know, I think it's so interesting. I mean, just this study in general, because we see these movements all over the world. I mean, even in Australia, where they're trying to call cats and right, Dr. Fleck, 
all of this behavior, even with the rescue groups that you work with. Absolutely. It's just, it's got, and, and I, and it's funny because when we saw the study, we really started thinking like there's never any cat owner input when we address these issues. So that's why we're excited that you're here. Oh, great. I'm, I'm glad that you think the same thing. We've, we've often seen this framed as a kind of de- debate between cat people and, and wildlife people. Um, and I think this research really shows that those two things aren't mutually exclusive. You can, can be concerned about cats and wildlife. And cat owners actually have really diverse views, and they haven't really had much of a say in this so far. Absolutely. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Sarah Crowley, whose recent research identified different types of cat owners and their feelings towards their cat's predatory behavior. Dr. Sarah, talk to us about what your research results were. I mean, how many different types of cat owners are there? And can you can you describe them a little for us? Yeah, absolutely. So we identified five different types of cat owner. Um, in reality, probably there's more and people perhaps associate, you know, more or less with more than one of these. But these are sort of typologies that you, you might say. So the first one is our concerned protector. They're primarily concerned with cat safety. They're most likely to keep their cats indoors. Um, and they don't actually feel particularly strongly about hunting, perhaps because they often keep their cats indoors. We also have then sort of the opposite of them, which is our freedom defender, who prioritize cat freedom. And they don't mind cats hunting so much. They might even keep them as pest controllers on rural properties, for example. Um, and they don't really like the idea of confining their cats. We have the tolerant guardian who want cats to have outdoor access, but dislike their hunting, often because they're concerned about the welfare of the animals killed as well. But they're tolerant. We call them tolerant because they accept hunting as something that cats do. They're not always sure how to manage it. Then we have our conscientious caretakers, our real conservationists, who are concerned about cat impacts on wildlife, particularly birds. And they're most likely to confidently and actively manage hunting behavior, such as using belt collars. And then finally, we have our laissez-faire landlord. Um, They haven't really thought in detail about many of these issues. They might have just had a cat that turned up on their doorstep. So it's not that they don't care but they don't necessarily feel well-informed or engaged enough to feel strongly about any of these issues. Well, let's turn ourselves away from the cat and let's go to the cat owner. How can our listening audience determine what type of a cat owner they are? They can visit our website, which is www.wildlifescience.org forward slash cat quiz, and they can take our quiz. It's not the scientific version. I'm afraid that takes a lot longer, but uh, the the sort of five-minute version will hopefully give you an indication. Yeah, I took the quiz. <laughs> what did you find? I was one of those crazy cat owners who's, you know, like, what's the strict one? The concern protector. Yeah, I was the concern protector. I mean, I do let my cat go outside in the yard a little bit. And it started because it started when I moved to Florida. When I first lived in New York, he never went outside because we lived in an apartment. But when we moved to Florida, the door was open for the dog. So he started going outside. We don't have a lot of birds. In my new house, There's tons of birds, but I have feeders primarily set up in the front. But I think it's a combination for cat owners to recognize that if they create a cat-specific home with sconces or cat trees and provide exercise and hunting, their cats will be happier and they won't have to worry so much. I think that's where you kind of get the cat owners stuck. They just think if you have a bowl and maybe a toy, that's it. The cat's going to take care of himself. I mean, how many times do you hear cat owners say, ah, leave the food on the ball, go away for the week, right? Every day. Right. And how many of them really understand it's important to have a cat-specific home? Very few. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if it's, I mean, they used to, you know, they've done studies in saying cat owners don't spend any money. 
they spend as little as possible. I mean, I thought now we'd see some movement. And now there's even like great cat furniture. Right. Right. What great information. Dr. Crowley, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, everyone, what a what a great segment, especially if you're a cat owner. I know. Who has a dog like Dr. Crawley, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, everyone, that was Dr. Sarah Crawley discussing how the cat owners regard the hunting prowess of their cats, which can, of course, be helpful, but also be a problem as outdoor cats kill many wild animals each year. Well, to learn more about this research and also to find out what kind of cat owner you are. Now, you heard me. I took the quiz. Visit wildlifesciences.com. Because you know you want to know. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Hey, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. Tever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. I love two things, sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddies can be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet. 
Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. Okay, so now what you all have been waiting for. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's going to take long. You got the time. Dr. Flex, Flex Facts. So, Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today? Urinary tract infections. Okay, so tell us about the telltale signs. It's real obvious, really. Mm-hmm. The kitty mm-hmm. isn't necessarily urinating in the litter box, outside of the litter box. Spends a lot of time in the litter box trying to pee. Mm-hmm. And those are all dangerous for the, for the kitty because you just don't want them to have a problem where it becomes so serious that it could be detrimental to them. So that's why it's kind of really important to pay attention to the, your, your litter box, I would think. Pay attention to your litter box. Pay attention to odor. Mm-hmm. Odor's real and important, too. And look for too. blood, too, right? If there's and, a little blood. Yeah, if you can find it. But, of course, in the litter, it's real hard to see blood. Right. Or maybe they're licking that area a little but bit it's too not much. Hard, but it's not hard to see the blood when they happen to urinate on the kitchen floor, the okay. tile floor. That's right. Okay. So talk to us about how UTIs occur. Is it like bacterial? Is it by, what, what's, what's, what's going on? In Many there? pathogens can, can be the culprit for instigating or causing a urinary tract infection. And it can occur anywhere from up at the kidney all the way down to the uh, ureter. Okay. Um, and depending upon where that infection lies, kind of determines uh, the level of treatment protocol too. Yeah. So the so the doctor has to find out where that is and prescribe the right treatment. Well, product. that was kind of my next question. I mean, these things can be deadly. They can kill a cat. They can be deadly. And and the other thing is, you just think of yourself. If you had a urinary tract infection, it hurts. Yeah, it's really and so. You kind of just think of, you're squeezing. So you squeeze, and then you can't pee. Or you and can. It, and it's like a drop. And if you out. can't pee, then all of a sudden it backs up. And it's in the bladder and then it becomes toxic. Okay. And then yeah, you can I be had in trouble. Two, I had two cats die of urinary UTIs. One was Hayden's litter bait, our cat. And the other one was uh, their first cousin, my beautiful show cat. And they're mostly males. Okay. Interesting. Because that's not what I had read somewhere, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. So um, if I suspect my, U- my cat has a UTI, obviously the vet. Okay, I take him to the vet immediately, correct? Correct. You don't want to wait for that. Okay, so what's my veterinarian going to do? First of all, if you can bring in a little urine sample, that's really helpful. Most people have a hard time doing that. What's my vet going to look at? The vet's going to look at um, specific gravity. What's Uh, that? It's how much it weighs. Just think of how much your, your urine weighs. If it weighs more, that means there's more gunk in the urine. Okay. All right. It looks at the pH. pH is very important. pH refers to the acid-base balance. Certain certain types of stones can form when a pH level is is above seven or in a basic level. 
Okay. So we, you want to try to make sure that the, you get the pH in your treatment protocol. Right. Okay. And what else? That. Uh, ketones sometimes are seen case of the diabetes or, or in body wasting. Okay. Wasting away. Got that. And that's why the testing is so important in the different types of tests. Okay. Sugar. Uh, if you could have glucose problems, like okay. diabetes. Okay. If it, if it flows over in urine, you got a good shot of being diabetic. Okay. Billy Rubin. What's that? Oh, that's that comes from the the the, the liver areas. You know, you start okay. start getting those enzymes and other things, and they break down the if blood. They break and stuff. down. That means you got some problems there too. Okay. Blood. Okay, we talked about that. Blood that could be anywhere along the urinary tract uh, structure that you could be getting blood and protein. Okay. Now, a lot of this can be done. This some of this basic stuff that can be done at the hospital. Do you, you know? Do you have to have further testing? I mean, does it have to go off to a lab? Because that's when the stuff gets really expensive. It it does, and those are these things that I've just described is the chemistry mm -hmm. that the veterinarian does in office. Okay. Um, it can be done in in the lab too if you have certain issues where you're not getting certain recoveries that you'd like to see. Mm -hmm. But but those are all done in the office. But when you start looking for uh, different types of pathogens. Um, if you're not getting recovery from the treatment protocol that you're giving, mm -hmm. it's got to go off to the lab. Okay. So how are you going to treat my cat? If it has a UTI, does he get antibiotics? What does he got? He definitely will be getting some antibiotics. Mm -hmm. He'll be getting some sort of medication to help that flow. Okay. Of the urine. Think also too, that it's probably swollen and inflamed. Okay. So you're going to give him something to reduce the inflammation. Okay. Um, and then each veterinarian has their own little tricks and own little. Okay. Might get a cortisone shot or something to feel better. That's your, that's your anti-inflammatory. Okay. That's my answer. Okay. So are some cats predisposed to UTIs? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's really important when you're adopting cats or when you're purchasing a cat, mm -hmm. you kind of like to know the history, the genetics of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. Okay. That's why if you're going to a breeder, it's important to visit and ask those very key questions. Very key questions, not just about urinary tract, but other disease maladies. Too. Okay, so who's predisposed? Well, you said male cats, but I had read female, older female cats. It's it's mostly the male cats, and the, and the reason why it's so important in the male cats is because the urethra runs through the penis, but there's a bone in the penis of a cat. Okay, and so that means that the the lumen or the opening of the ure urethra uh -huh. can be really small. So you can imagine that if they're tightening up, right. Or if there's little crystals that, that catch okay. along and it can block. And if it blocks, it backs up and then the urine can't escape from the, from the bladder and it's great culture media. And, yeah. and then it's toxic. And that's where we lose most. Okay. Of our and then we, we also said, if you have a diabetic cat, it's, it's a possibility that uh, he can have a urinary tract infection. And then you said bladder stones and crystals, like you said. Okay. So what can I do to prevent a UTI? Well, make sure that we're on a good diet. Okay. Good diet. So if you've already gone through and you found out that there's no genetic predisposition mm -hmm. to this, then you don't worry as much. And in, in times past, we used to talk about ash and not feeding dry food, but that's all the bunk now because yeah. we have better, nutrition right so you want to make sure that you have a good high quality nutrition you want to make sure that they they're getting a lot of fluid into the system okay drinking they're drinking water. water but the but the nutrition is probably the most important feature right. on this and as a matter of fact there's special diets when we already recognize that, that there's a urinary tract problem okay 
for that particular pet. Right. So you also have to think about it. I mean, and also visiting the vet helps you like making sure once or twice a year, especially if you have an older cat, you got to go to the vet. Like, like, just like us uh, as humans, we need to go to our veterinarian with our pets once or twice a year as they get older, mm -hmm. certainly more frequently. Sure. And, and don't, don't beg off on not doing the tests. Sometimes people think, well, you know, I don't want, well, I want to spend that 35 or $50 on a urinalysis. It's so important because if you detect the problem before even the clinical signs yeah. show up, how much better is that going to be for your pet so that they don't have pain and suffering and death? Mm -hmm. And then think about the monetary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, always great information from you, Dr. Fleck. Any lasting words? That's all the Fleck facts for the week. Okay. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy, so I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. You know, almost every day when I check into Facebook, I'm always saddened to read the post because we see so many people who, who lost their pets. And I guess that's why I decided to invite our next guest, to talk about coping after a loss of a beloved pet. So joining us today is Colleen Rowland. After a 23-year career in portfolio management, she decided to pursue another career. She is certified as a pet loss grief recovery specialist through the American Association of Healthcare Professionals and trained as a pet bereavement counselor with the renowned Dr. Wallace Seif, a private practice psychologist and founder of the Association for Pet Lost and Bereavement. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Thank you very much. First of all, um, I have to say huge thank you for letting me come on the show and shine some light on what we do in the pet loss and grief support field. So thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. And unfortunately, I have to experience this every week with mm -hmm. pet loss and, and the clients that 
deal with that pet loss. So what coping advice do you have for those who have recently lost a pet? First and foremost, know that the bond that people share with their animal is very, very strong. And when they lose that bond through death, there's a huge gaping hole in their life. You know, it's interesting because you, you find yourself, I think, when, you're, when you lose a pet, you know, you, many of our fram, family and, and friends and coworkers, they don't really understand, their, mm-hmm. that our, understand our sadness when we do lose a pet. So, and we get so many negative reactions. How do we know how to handle that? There are usually three responses that a bereaved, somebody who is grieving the death of, of their pet, three responses that they can have. One of them is to get ticked off that people don't understand the the depth of pain that you can feel. That's not a good way to handle anything. The second way is that you can become off kilter and, and you don't know how to deal with that. And then later on, when you think about it, you go, oh, why didn't I say this and try to explain? The third way is to be very direct and say, please understand that I have lost a dear friend and someone who understood me and gave me unconditional love. Respect my grief. Help me through it. Be more tolerant. That's a great answer. Great yeah, and I, it's, it's perfect. I mean, it's perfect, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, because so many times you're in that situation. I know you had a question about family kids, members. Kids. I mean, yeah. how do you comfort children who have lost a pet? Kids are very intuitive, and it's never a good idea to hide the fact that the pet has died. Depending on the age of the child, that will dictate how you deal with them. So, for example, two to three years old, they have no life experience. They don't know what death is, but they should be told that the animal is, has died and is not coming back. What you can do to support children through the, the loss of a pet is to listen to them. Take it as an opportunity to talk to them about the life cycle. This, it's brilliant. If you can do that, they will carry their reaction to death throughout their life. So that's what I would say. Another brilliant answer by, <laughs> Colin, by Colin Rowland. I mean, I, I mean, this is so helpful. I mean, not only for us who have recently lost two pets, but for so many people out there, you know, um, I'm just curious about <laughs> um, services that are available for those who need help, for those who are coping with a loss. What's out there? Okay, so first of all, be very thankful because now there are more services than ever before. Um, pet loss grief support is a relatively new field, but right now you can um, go and get help through a pet loss grief specialist. I have my own practice. We are out there. You can Google it. Um, You can go to a free chat room on our website for the association. People can get together, talk about their their pets. Um, It's staffed by caring volunteers. There are a gazillion books right now, really, really good ones. And again, going back to children, there's some great children's books out there. You're not alone anymore. Share, share your grief. Talk to somebody about it. So what other advice do you have for those who have like recently lost a pet? 
understand that there are stages of grief that you will go through exactly like losing a, a human. They are different, but they are similar. And be gentle with yourself. That animal companion was dear to you. You need to understand that that pain that is so sharp and searing will never really go away. It'll just dull over time. But your pet would want you to open up your heart to another pet that needs love. They're always going to be in your heart. You can tap into that love anytime you think about them. So I, I, would, just, I would just say, know that as an animal person, you have an amazing ability to love and open your heart. So, so maybe a statement can be made, you never replace, but you, never. Fill, a, but you fill a void. Yeah, that's excellent, Dr. Fleck. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, yeah. I've had to give that uh, statement a number of times. Many and times. And it's very mm -hmm. painful. And I have to admit, I love this interview. It has to be a little bit painful for both of us because of our recent history, but mm -hmm. I, I have to offer one other thing too, that was meant I've been in practice for such a long time and, and had to go through uh, putting a, a pet through to the next life the other day. And it was the first time I heard something that was really great from the pet owner. The pet owner said to me, you know, our pet gave the name of the pet has lived a full life. And that really meant something to me. Mm -hmm. And it meant something to them. And I think it's much easier for them to cope because of that. Colleen, mm -hmm. thank you for coming to us today. It was a marvelous interview. It was a pleasure. And so important. And so helpful to and so, so many helpful people. To to us, so many people out there. Charlotte and I too. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, just to remind you, that was Colleen Rowland, president of the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement. We are so glad that she was able to join us today. To learn more about the association and for pet loss and bereavement services, visit aplb.org. That's aplb.org. Now, if you're depressed, saddened, and you really are having a hard time coping with the recent loss of your four-legged family member, you know, don't be shy or worry about the reaction from others. We encourage you really to get help, talk to someone. Please express yourself. Exactly, because it's so stressful what's going on anyway, coupled with the loss of your pet. We want you to and that might even be talking to someone that might even be getting another pet. Like you said, you're not going to replace. But you're filling that void. But you're filling that void. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a flash. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy, so I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. 
Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. <laughs> I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look! I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. <laughs> oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. Well, welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, committing yourself to teaching your dog some tricks is a great bonding experience. It's also fun for you and your dog, but best yet, you can do it throughout the year. You bet. And joining us today is Larry Kay, an award-winning writer and filmmaker based in L.A. His personal mission is to help families become safe and successful with their pets. Today, we are excited to talk about the big book of tricks. The big book, the big book, book for of tricks. tricks. For the best dog ever, a step-by-step -step guide to 118 amazing tricks and stunts. Whew. Published by Workman Publishing. Can't forget that publisher. Larry, did I get all that in okay? <laughs> you, you did indeed, Dr. Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Well, yes. Good morning and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Okay, so let me start right out with this question. What motivated you to write a dog book about dog training? Oh, that, I love that question. Uh, you know, I started with dog tricks are cool. You know, they're kind of like magic tricks. And my background is from the entertainment industry and movie making, as you just announced. The deeper I got into it, I realized that there's a deeper truth that dog tricks save lives. Mm. And what I, yeah, what I, what I mean by that is I make films with shelter dogs because I believe that inside of every shelter dog is an undiscovered movie star. So to find those diamonds in the rough, my crew and I make these videos with shelter dogs, which helps them get the best kind of stardom, loving homes. That's great, so Larry. That is great. You'll have to send us one of your short films so we can put it up yeah. right? on our oh, social great. media channels. Absolutely well. You know, I, I met my dog on one of my film sets. <laughs> 
Oh, really? Now, who's the dog on your website that's pushing the ball and eventually jumps up on it? Is that your dog? That is Spider. That is my dog, Spider. Spider's pretty wow. hot. He, he's amazing. As, tal- as talented as the author. <laughs> Absolutely. That's yes, right. He's, he's actually above my pay grade. <laughs> uh, when I first met him, it was on our 4th of July set, and the shelter brought out 12 dogs. And we began our process of training and trick training and movie making. And there was this one dog who they had named Spider, who was especially rough, and you could barely touch him. He he's an Australian cattle dog who looked and sounded like he'd walked straight out of the Mad Max movies. So <laughs> when it when it came time to do the tricks, uh, the best we could do with him was have him sit for five whole seconds, <laughs> while most of the other dogs you know, we're taught to sit and pose and even do a few tricks. And naturally, those dogs got adopted right away. But a month later, no one had come for Spider. Mm. So I kept thinking about him. And I volunteered to walk him. I introduced him to the agility course. And he began to open up. And you, you know the punchline is, I decided I was up for a big challenge. I brought Spider home forever. And now he can do more than 50 tricks. Wow, what a great story. It is a great story. Okay, so Larry, let's talk about the book because you know I'm an author, you're an author. We got to sell books, right, man? (laughs) Okay, okay. So let's talk about the benefits of teaching your pooch a trick. Tell me what they are. Dog tricks make a dog sociable. It allows them to go out into public, kind of like a canine good citizen, to be able to interact with people and other dogs. And it builds our bond. You know, a paw shake isn't just a cool trick, but it's a symbol in our visual language, our tactile language of a bond. The paw shake builds our bond. This book is deep, Dr. Fleck. I know it. You know, it's really important. I'm so proud that my co-author, Chris Perandi, and I, we bonded before we had the opportunity to write this book together. We both share this mission to make a difference for shelter dogs. He performs all over the country with a dozen rescued dogs. And it's real proof that dog tricks save lives. And everywhere each of us goes, we bring out that mission. So dogs, dog tricks will unleash a dog's personality. And as I mentioned before, help uncover their inner movie star. Well, who were you really thinking about then when you wrote this book? Who was it for? You know, when Workman Publishing came to me to write a book on dog tricks, I leaped at the opportunity and I presented to them the book that i always wanted to own. So initially, I wrote it for myself. You know, I own about (laughs) 10 different books on dog tricks that I've been using. And I wanted to write something that would help a beginner get into the world of dog tricks rather than be presented with just a whole bunch of dog tricks and say, choose 
I crafted them into training programs. So in the beginner training program, Chris and I selected only 20 tricks. We curated them specifically to teach certain skills in this beginner training program. And you can cherry pick among those. You don't have to go in sequence. It gives you a context for being then able to move on, say, to the intermediate program where we teach more concepts and then get into 33 more tricks that will then create a bridge to four different pro programs. And those are movie making with your dog, which is my specialty, performing live with your dog, which is Chris's specialty, dog dancing, which is Chris's wife's Suhei Parandi's specialty, and extreme stunts and sports, which is their specialty together on their two-acre property in Northern California. They have the All-Star Stunt Dog Academy, which is the home of extreme stunts and sports. Cool. So we help guide you all the way through it. So initially I wrote it for me and then uh, wanted to write it for all those folks who would want to make a difference in their lives with their dog. Well, this is deep. It's totally deep. Uh, So here's my last question, Larry, and we got 30 seconds. What's your favorite dog trick in the book and why? (laughs) I'll I'll tell you my dog's favorite book is he loves to perch on the big exercise ball and roll it all over the studio. In fact, he's even invented his own trick from the exercise ball. He'll hop onto the handlebar of a toy shopping cart and trolley that across the studio. And those are the tricks that you mentioned before that are on the website. And I'm going to put that up so all of our listening audience can hear that. You had your last question, Dr. Fleck. Well, Larry, we we really do want to thank you for being here. I wish our trick is, is that we want to hear so much more from you. So now, we that's have to not ask trick. you to come our back. Our trick is we want Larry to come back and tra- train our dogs. <laughs> I would, okay. I would love to. Okay. Love to. Where, where can we find the book? And how much is it? <laughs> well, the book can be found via our website. You can buy it anywhere. Uh, the website is dogtricksandstunts.com. That's the book's website, dogtricksandstunts.com. The list price is seventeen ninety five. I know that I noticed that Amazon was selling it for twelve dollars and sixteen cents, which is really cool. <laughs> so hot price. darn, looks- you can get a bargain on the book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and, and I hope that folks will also order from their local bookstores and the website uh, gives you the ISBN number to be able to order directly from bookstores as well. Okay, Larry, so can we give one of your books away? Of course. Well, the first person who posts a picture of their pet on our Facebook page at the Pet Buzz and tells us what trick you'd like your dog to learn will get a copy of Larry's book for free. That's F-R-E-E. That's Woo-hoo. great. And I tell you what, I think we're pretty tricky, too, because we know we get him back again. So thanks again for joining us today, Larry. I think you already gave us a website. Could you repeat that? Sure. Dogtricksandstunts.com. Great. (laughs) So that was author of the new book, The Big Book of Tricks for the Best Dog Ever, a step-by-step guide to 118 amazing tricks and stunts published by Workman. Order it or pick it up. It's a gem. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.
of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Don't forget, if you buy EpiPet products using the Pet Buzz as your code, you'll receive 25% off on all the great products, including shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner, and supplements for your dogs and cats. But if you have a question, write to us at team at the We'll cover it next week on our show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the linked podcast and Monday morning. Most importantly, remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.